This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. This is Raise Your Game. I'm Christine Wong. Leadership is never easy. So how do you balance authenticity and authority or friendliness and firmness, especially if you're not that much older than the people you're leading? I have Andrea Chu, co-founder for Mad for Good, on the line with me to discuss young managers, young teams and everything in between. Great to be back again. Um, yeah, so I've recently changed my role and Mad for Good is actually still part of Leadronomics. But now we are expanding the community arm. Mad for Good is actually a, a platform, you know, a movement, an organization that aims to transform the doing good ecosystem and a making a difference ecosystem. So we do have a volunteering platform. We're looking into creating an academy and eventually a marketplace for social organizations and all those people in the big ecosystem. Awesome. So tell me a little bit about why you wanted to talk about this topic today. Just generally, it's a personal sort of experience of mine. Uh, and I would believe that I'm pretty young uh, for someone to lead a team. Um, I've been thrown into roles that I had to lead teams in the past three years with Leadronomics, and I loved it. But at the same time, I wanted to share a little bit more about the struggles and the challenges that we have to face as young managers or young team leads. Hmm, absolutely. And when you take a look at the generation that a lot of people call young before, which are the millennial generation, some of the millennial generation are in their 40s, you know, so it's time to take a look at, you know, the incoming generation, the incoming workforce and to see uh, what that struggle is like. And I think it's interesting, um, but it's a very jarring change between when you're in school, for example, versus when you're at work. You often, you know, in school, you work with the people in your year or maybe the year above or below you, maybe, or uh, at least, you know, one kind of like a couple of years, like teenagers might work together or something. But when you get to the workplace, you know, people could be 10 years your senior, five years your senior, uh, 20 years your senior, even who knows, right? So I think it is interesting to take a look at that balance and... Mm. Another thing I think is that it's really hard to feel like, I don't know about you, I uh, you know, we talk about imposter syndrome a lot on, on the show as well. Um, and I think that is something that a lot of the youth, especially those who have not really entered the office space yet or are newer to a leadership position might be feeling as well. So maybe let's start there. And let's start with, you know, when a young person or when someone is sort of thrust into a leadership position for the first time, what is it like? And how do you uh, prepare yourself for that? Mm, I, I don't think there's a way to prepare for that. <laughs> uh, to be frank with you, I think it really is a struggle both internally and externally. Because when, you, when you're when you put in a leadership position, there's a lot of expectations on you. And of course, if you are in a more KPI-driven role, that's even more pressure on you because, you know, that's real money talking. Um, but at the same time, there's this need to also perform and prove yourself to people who put you in the position in the first place. That's one big challenge, I would say, that, that fear. And internally, it's like a bomb because, yeah, the imposter syndrome is real because you start thinking that, you know, why am I here? Uh, am I competent enough? You know, why was I placed in this role? Am I going to fail? All these questions are coming on. That's one portion of it. But the other part of it is as well as you are now accountable to the team that you're leading. I think that's that's something that not a lot of people talk about or not talk about publicly because we still have to maintain this kind of level of authority or, you know, competency that is, um, you know, viewed by other people. But at the same time, this fear of 
what if all the people I'm supposed to lead is going to find out that I can't lead really mm. well? Or maybe they are more competent than I am and they might feel like they should be in my position instead. So yeah, I think those are two one, two big ones that are popping up in my head right now. Right. I think it's a very different thing when you've been at a place for a long time or you are significantly older than your uh, subordinates, I suppose. Because it does feel like you are naturally granted a level of authority uh, or wisdom, I suppose, uh, where you can tell them what to do, either based on previous experience or by the fact that you've been working for longer or something like that. But when that gap is a bit smaller, I mean, how do you navigate that dynamic, especially if you've been promoted? if you've been uh, promoted within your team, right? Like you were peers and then you were kind of pushed upwards, at, but you still like the people who were your equals are now your subordinates. It's a very strange dynamic to figure out. Well, I had friends uh, who were in in large teams and eventually they were promoted to lead that entire team and, you know, have a few little hierarchies in between. Um, they struggled with that a lot because the culture of the company or the organization at that point of time is that they are very competitive. So when they're very competitive, most of the time they, they, they have some kind of jealousy uh, when peers are being promoted and, and therefore they will try their best to, to updo or, you know, make as if that leader wasn't meant to be there in the first place. But I've also seen in, in Leadromics, especially in our place, in our, in our teams, what I've seen is that people are very supportive. And um, that's that's the power where vulnerability is important there because they're happy for you, but they also know that you're new and they would try their best to support you in the ways that you might be lost or sometimes somebody to talk about certain things. Um, at, at, the, at the same time, um, people who have put you in a position, that means people above you, your bosses, basically, that culture is also important because there are certain cultures in organizations where they immediately expect you to be what they expect you to be when you moved into that role, right? But at the same time, there are also leaders who go like, let's take a gradual process to transition into that role because there are certain skill sets that there's a gap at this point of time, but let's make it known and let's make an intentional effort to move you to that position. But they know that there's a potential, which is why they put you in the, the position in the first place. Mm, I yeah. think... I think you've brought up a couple of interesting points here. First of all, that the way that young people handle leadership has a lot to do with the culture and the environment that they're in. First of all, like you said, if you have the standard practice of being hyper competitive, of being, uh, you know, impersonal, of being very top down, that is a leadership style that's going to continue throughout the organization. Right. Um, yes. And also that note about being supportive. I think that is particularly interesting, um, especially when you see a peer, you know, sort of move upwards and there may I think it's entirely natural and normal to feel um, you know potentially jealousy or envy in that situation as well but you know again going back to the overall culture if you are in a space where you are trained or you're used to supporting each other I think that's super important to yeah basically to help uh, uh, navigate that change in the power dynamic first of all second of all I think also you mentioned uh, the difference between being thrust into a role and that transition. And I think that's something that a lot of people miss when they are giving people uh, the opportunity to move into a sort of leadership or managerial position. That transitional period is extremely important. And I think that actually sets the tone for how that person is going to lead for the rest of their career. Yeah, 
I mean, I mean, we talk about this a lot in succession planning, right? People would have many years ahead before they put them in a role, and then the both parties are working towards that transition over over time. But there are times where I've seen, I mean, I've personally experienced where I'm just given the opportunity to lead something completely from scratch. And I had to learn how to swim in the ocean, <laughs> to put it very bluntly, that's how it is. But at the same time, it, it's also that kind of feeling that, you know, if somebody threw me into this role when there was a need, it means that I had the potential. But how do I move towards the bigger potential that they sort of expect me to be? And this is where it is very important where your bosses or your leaders are going to help you with that. So even though you're not transitioning gradually into the role, you know that you can count on your leaders to be compassionate, to lead you, to guide you. You know, they won't just leave you all by yourself. Mm. Yeah. And I think also that change from being peer to being authority mm. as well, that does uh, get a lot of help from being backed by your superiors. I think that's super important mm. to navigate that change because if you, let's say, uh, delegate a task to, you know, one of your now subordinates and then let's say that subordinate goes, mm, I don't know, I I've, I I don't think I should be taking on this task for whatever reason. And you have the backing from your superiors like, no, this is very important that this person needs to learn how to delegate. This is why they've chosen you to delegate this task. That kind of support, it's it's not, not to say you should handhold people, you know, but yeah. definitely to be able to, to, it's that kind of thing where uh, when your parents like discipline you, they have to be on the same page, right? Yeah. So that the message becomes clear of what is going on and what the power dynamic of that is. I think that's yeah. super important uh, as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree. This is how, especially for example, if let's say right now um, you are moved into a role where you are the same level as working heads, right? And there's a company sort of culture, some kind of initiative that requires a buy-in. That's where your supervisor was really important because you we've not built that kind of credibility and trust with the rest of the the. Um, you know, working heads or, you know, business leaders. But with the help of a supervisor saying that, yeah, I, I agree with her, that itself, that one sentence would change the entire dynamic as well. Brilliant. All right, let's have to take a short break for some messages. But after that, I will continue my conversation with Andrea Chu, co-founder of Mad for Good, all about the young leading the young here on Razor Game on BFM 89.9. Being first matters. BFM 89.9. You're listening to Raise Your Game. I'm Christine Wong. And on the line with me today is Andrea Chu, the co-founder of Mad for Good. And today we're talking about the young leading the young or what happens with young managers who are leading young teams and everything in between. So before the break, we talked a little bit uh, about imposter syndrome. We talked a little bit about moving from a peer to an authority. Uh, and we're just going to keep the conversation going, really. So another thing I want to address is social implications of moving into a leadership position, especially again, going back to the idea of when you move from being on the same ground as people to being technically hierarchically above them, especially when you've developed a friendly rapport with these people, how how do you balance that? How do you maintain that natural friendliness and that natural inclination to, you know, joke around or to banter with people? But then also, you know, when you need to put your foot down for it not to be a mood whiplash. Mm. I think it's it's quite tough. 
um, simply because it depends on how you deal with people, like your interpersonal sort of relationships with people. I think one of my, my biggest flex, I would say, is that um, my, my co-workers or my colleagues, they used to say that, you know, Andrew is a very weird person because she's able to be friends with us, but also school us in another meeting about not performing in certain uh, things that we set to perform at. And some people might not understand that. They would say that, you know, one person is everything, meaning that you are your colleague, you're a friend, and whatever you say in person and whatever you say in a meeting is towards the same person. But I kind of disagree and agree with that at the same time. So philosophically, what I believe is that, yes, a person has everything in between, right? And not, not one thing is going to decide who they are. For example, work performance does not dictate your full identity. It's only a portion of who you are. But your relationship with me is what I value most. And because of that relationship, therefore during work, I would tell you the truth, but I'll do it compassionately. Which is why I think being friends with people you work with is very important. Um, simply because of that. Naturally, our human instinct is that we become very hostile towards people we don't know or don't like or don't even spend time with uh, versus being compassionate towards people that you actually care about, right? So I think that's one uh, part of it. And it's also interesting because at the same time in my head, I always remember this episode. Okay, it's Ted from How I Met Your Mother. It was Ted when he became the manager in his architectural firm. You know, people started not talking to him, even though before they invited him to parties and all that. And now he's basically pushed aside simply because he's technically their boss. So I think at the back of my head, I still feel that way sometimes. I feel like people would be a little bit more cautious when they disclose information to you or rather when, when they're hanging out with the rest of their peers at work. Um, there's this feeling of FOMO or feeling left out a little bit because now you are supposed to mingle most with the leaders instead. Um, but... At the same time, I think it is an opportunity for me to put my feet out and, and say that, hey, you know, I'm still here and I take initiative instead to invite them and still show them that, hey, we're all still friends, you know, outside of work. And that's what matters to me in terms of our relationship. Yeah. I think that taking ownership of the authority of the position is so crucial uh the fact that what you just said of i'm going to invite them and it's it's entirely true even if you don't uh regardless of if you do or do not know your manager or your leader beforehand the moment that you encounter someone in an authoritative position it's going to be fairly intimidating to communicate with them even if you've known them you know for how many years in the same department or the same team or or whatever the case may be that it, it it is a different feeling when you know that they're responsible, let's say, for like your evaluations or for determining your bonus, right? Like they have a, this uh, different hold over you. But for I think that's the thing, right, about being a leader where you then the onus is then on you to reach out to your team and be like, look, I understand that the power dynamic has shifted between us, but we must establish this relationship again. And the tone of it will be roughly the same, but you also have to understand that when it comes down to it, there are parts of me that will be your superior and not your friend. There will be parts of me that are your friend and not your superior. And to play between those modes in a way, in which of course is a difficult balance to pull off, but I think there can be and should be room for both. Yeah. Mm. 
Mm. And I really like uh, one of the things that I watched on TikTok some time ago. So basically, they were all showing what does uh, a Gen Z sort of office look like. And they were just showing screenshots of emails that went out across different people. And you actually don't really know who the boss is because they all speak at the same tone. They don't even sign off uh, officially. They'll just go like, peace, uh, and then they sign off. So there's very interesting phenomenon to me because those are what I call high-performing teams. So they're really high-performance teams and they are very close to one another. But at the same time, they don't have this kind of hierarchical look towards a boss and you know team lead. They're more like, well, here, we're going to reach the same goal and this is how we're going to do it. Let's go. That's, that's pretty much it. I really like that kind of new culture that's coming up with the, the young uh, teams that are popping up everywhere. Yeah, Yeah. I'm inclined to agree with you on that. I think that is a distinct difference between uh, the way that the incoming workforce is uh, acting or holding themselves at work and the previous generations as well. I think there is less of a focus on the veneer of professionalism. I think with the incoming generation, it's very much so if you get your work done, you can speak uh, functionally however much you like uh, or you don't you have to be polite obviously but you don't have to be so formal you can yeah. use slang you can uh, joke around you don't have to officially sign off your emails you don't have to start every email with like dear whoever <laughs> as long as the message gets across in a clear way do what you need to do I think that has changed for sure the mm-hmm. the uh, formality of workplace communication has definitely changed and I love that point about if they're a high-performing team, you kind of can't tell even who is necessarily the boss from the way that they're writing or the way that they're speaking to each other. Um, and I think that goes a long way towards, again, being able to, you know, still have that social uh, link to your team and still having that communication and have that friendliness uh and I think also, in general, you want to work harder for people that you like. I mean, that's kind of, it sounds very uh, silly when I just say it like that. But um, I don't know. I feel like you are more inclined towards, you know, oh, they're my friend or they're someone that, you know, I like. So, okay, I'm actually going to put my head down and, you know, really smash these KPIs. And in a weird way, because you have that uh, social link uh, already established, you also don't want to let them down on a personal level as well as a professional level. Yeah, and, and I think this is one part that is quite interesting. I mean, being a young leader myself, I used to question this a lot, right? So being able to make sure KPIs are reach, you know, results are given, but at the same time, the growth of the team. And talking about growth, you know, it's always depending on the pace the person is at, um, which is why when, when I was giving that example of that high performance team is, I really like that because you're hiring people for their performance, but you are also, I don't know how to explain it in words now, but it's a balance between being with a team that is focused on high performance, but so comfortable with one another. And nobody gets offended by, you know, all the nonsense that might happen in the in the background. And at the end of the day, everyone's focused on that goal. And I think personally, this is what I would love to build my team to be, that we are close-knitted, but at the same time, we are very focused-driven on what the end goal is all about. And we don't take into uh, all the unnecessary little bickers and whatever office politics that we don't really need for our performance. Mm. So I guess my final question to you is... What uh, final words of advice uh, would you give not only to 
uh, young people who are finding themselves or who are about to find themselves in their first leadership position, but also to organizations who want to foster a young leadership as well? I can't give advice to organizations on that. I think that's a huge task to do because who am I? Um, but definitely I would say if, if I were to say to somebody in that organization on what I would want, if you want me to be a leader in your, in your organization, yeah. I think I would, I would tell them that I want a workplace that is eventually going to dissolve that power hierarchy. Because if we are hiring the right people who are really out for performance and the mission of the organization, you don't really have to worry about hierarchy. People would usually perform their best and you reward that, you know, the best performer. And from there, that relationship will grow and people find that their work is much more integrated and more fulfilling in their lives. I think that's what I would say to an organization who wants to build young teams and young high-performance teams. Um I think generally for the rest of young people who are taking on their first leadership position, especially in the workplace, I think it's being able to find people to talk to about your journey. I think that's very important. I mean, we've read a lot. We know a lot about you know executive loneliness and people on top usually feel very lonely. And I, I felt that uh, a lot of the times, but eventually I find people to speak to and we are all on the same sort of page. We are all going through some kind of journey where we have to make decisions and make big calls. Um, and having that kind of community is really important. It keeps us balanced. It keeps us checked. But it also supports us and say that, hey, you're not alone. Um, I think that that's pretty much the main advice or, or sort of suggestions that I would give people who are in that position. Love that. So hopefully with the young leading the young, we can uh, close that power distance gap a little bit more over time. Uh, but that brings us to the end of our conversation. Thank you so much to Andrea for talking to me all about young leadership today. Thank you, Christine. I had a great time. You've been listening to Raise Your Game with me, Christine Wong and Andrea Chu, the co-founder of Mad for Good. If you've missed any of this conversation, of course, you can find the podcast. We have our app, which is on the Apple App Store and Google Play. And also we have all of our podcasts on our website, bfm.my. This is BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, Download the BFM app.